0: Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LeGrasso. I'm Lauren LeGrasso. I'm an award winning podcast host and producer, singer songwriter, public speaker, actor, and creative coach. And this show is meant to give you tools to claim the word creative, take fear out of the driver's seat of your life, gain awareness around mental health and spirituality, and own your right to have a dream and take up space. Do you struggle to navigate your creative career or the industry you're in as a whole? Creatives have to deal with rejection, criticism, unpaid work, and a ton of uncertainty. Today's guest is a host, podcaster, and digital creator who opens up about her creative heartbreak, the way she handles the ups and downs of the entertainment industry, and how she's curated her social media feed to encourage self-love and body positivity. She has some incredible tips for that, and I can't wait for you to hear them. But before we get to that, I want to ask you a quick favor. If you love the show and it has helped you, please consider sharing it on your Instagram stories or Twitter. Tag the guest at Unleash Your Inner Creative and at Lauren LeGrasso, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Okay, now to the guest. Her name is Yel Teagle. She's an entertainment host, moderator, podcaster, producer, and self proclaimed nerd. She's hosted for Fanversation, that hashtag show, The Beat. Celebified, and at Buzz TV, which is actually where the two of us met and became friends. She lovingly calls herself the big host for big fans, and she has a blog called The Fat Girl Show where she talks about all things plus size. This episode is about riding the roller coaster that is the entertainment industry and how to embrace all of who you are, both inside and out, along your creative journey. You'll hear tips on the nuances of communication and creative pursuits, tools for self-love, And the serendipity of the dreams you find on the way to your dreams. Now, here she is, Yel Teagle. Okay, Yel, I love you so much. I already loved you, but like the conversation we just (laughs) had before this made me love you even more because I feel such a kinship with you. And I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for having me. It's my honor. You're one of the most supportive people I know. Like literally every time I have a new project come out, a new song, you share it without prompting. And that means so much to me. I wish that like everyone in the world was like you because you really get how difficult it is because you're a creator yourself <laughs> to get your work out there.
1: Tell, tell me why that's important to you. Thank you. I, I'll tell you this. First and foremost, I believe that women should support other women. Yes. And also, I think in 2020, maybe it was this year. At some point, I decided for like a New Year's resolution. That
0: was scary because I'm like, wait, it's not 2020. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great question. That was really scary. Lost a year. (laughs)
1: So I think it was a New Year's resolution. I decided that I'm going to share women. Specifically, on my Insta stories, Mm -hmm. I'm going to promote other women. That's like a thing I decided I was going to do as a New Year's resolution. So that's one of the main things. The other thing is, when I started AfterBuzz, one of the amazing things that I realized there is, That if we all help each other rather than compete, we could all succeed. Yeah. And I have to give Roxy credit for that. Shout out to Roxy Stryer, friend of the show and us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Because if you all help each other, you will all succeed. Yes. The rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. I never remember that saying. Yes. I'm like the one with the ships.
0: You said it just now in so many words. Absolutely. It's true though. I mean, I I really reject the idea that there is limited space. I, I really reject the idea of crowded spaces in general. And I think that the faster you succeed, the faster I succeed. And also it shows me what's possible for my life. If you're successful, it shows me, oh my God, that person's my friend and that's now in my reach as well.
1: Absolutely. There's no
0: reason to get competitive and I really reject that notion.
1: I also think there's this really amazing feminist, um, feminist -er, (laughs) TikToker that talks about how women competing against each other is this institutional uh, systemic problem that keeps us fighting each other rather than being like, wait a second, they're the problem. We should be fighting together.
0: Yeah, I think that that's true even with like groups of people. You know, Mm -hmm. even when when you look at the divisiveness, even within our own country, like if we stop for a minute dehumanizing and fighting each other, then we could face a real problem, which is like these long corrupt structures that are ruling us all. You know, we could actually work on breaking those down instead of breaking each other down because when we focus on the individual, you totally don't zoom out and see the full problem.
1: Absolutely. And I have to I have to say uh, the TikToker her name is Evelyn. It's her perspective. I need to give her credit because yes. she is so smart.
0: I want to follow her. Okay, we're going to go follow at her perspective on TikTok. I'm getting more into TikTok. It really scares me. <laughs> so, yes, I want to get a little bit into your story. I know like the rough outline of it. Sure. But tell me how did you get to where we're sitting right now on this couch? In in traffic? I got here <laughs> in traffic. Yeah, like when did the dream begin, and how did you? I know you you grew up in San Francisco, right? I grew up in the San
1: Francisco area. Okay, yeah. cool. So how did you get from there to here and pursuing your dream? Sure. So I grew up thinking I wanted to be an actor. That was like a big thing. I spent my whole life thinking I wanted to be an actor. I was in theater. I did the Barbizon auditions. Like I was. Oh my trying. gosh, I did John Robert Powers. Oh yeah, I I went in for that as well. <laughs> um, By the way, for anyone that doesn't know, these are two
0: scams that yes. are poor parents I, I mean my parents certainly foot the bill for me i I feel so bad dad i'm sorry
1: oh my parents it's the worst
0: money you ever spent <laughs> my parents it really did not is. fall for the skin. oh my gosh see my parents needed your parents my, my i was like dad please i was like crying he's like sure we'll pay 1300 dollars for a class by someone who's never acted a day in their life
1: right. <laughs> so sad yeah so um <laughs> like i said i went in for those auditions i yeah. i really thought that i was gonna be an actor that was my dream I ended up going to college at San Francisco State University, and I decided that if I was going to spend four years of my parents' money, I would not get a theater degree at a non-theater school. Mm. It seemed you, like a waste. You're a very
0: wise person. Have you always been
1: super realistic about life? Yes. I think I'm pessimistic, but yeah.
0: You're not though. Cause you're a dreamer. Like you wouldn't be fighting for this dream if you're a pessimist. You're an optimist and you believe in the possibility of life. You are so optimistic. No, I I really am. So <laughs> like actually I've realized that to a fault. I'm optimistic. Like it's my coping mechanism mm. in life. And there've been times when I've been so optimistic that I haven't actually seen what was going on. Mm. But I'm starting to really appreciate realists now because they have something that I inherently lack, but I'm trying to get better at because I think that being realistic
1: while also having hope is true optimism. I love that. So yeah, I have that. Yeah. That's me. (laughs) So yeah, so I went to school and I spent four years not acting. Um, I got a bachelor's degree in communications because I was told that that was the degree that will open all the doors what it does is not give you a skill set yes so I have one as well great so I got out of college and went oh I haven't acted in 4 years I don't know what I'm doing and I ended up stumbling into this job at an amazing place called Side Reel which was a link aggregator for shows that you want to watch so if you wanted to watch a show And this is back in the day before Netflix had originals. And you said, I want to watch this show. Where can I find it on the internet for free? And so you would go to this website and it would give you all the links. And you would find links like if it was streaming for free on Netflix or Hulu. Or users could add links as well. Okay. If you understand what that means. I think I'm catching your drift.
0: Basically, it was like the Wikipedia of links.
1: Sure. (laughs) That's a good way to think of it. Yeah. So I started working there. I absolutely loved it. I love that company. I love the people. It was amazing. Does it still exist? That's an excellent question. Well, We'll look it up. We'll put <laughs> it in the show notes. <laughs> and so there they started doing on-camera stuff. I uh, had a friend who had an internship at a publicity company and she was like, do you guys want to cover a movie and do a junket and red carpet? And I was like, yes. So we did that. And that was my first time hosting. And I went, oh no, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm good at. And I was apparently never a good actor. I'm great at being myself. Oh, I love that. I was so happy to discover this. What did it feel like? It was confusing. Huh. Because I was like, I got it. And and honestly, I think I still live in that confusion because I, I know what it is and I know what I want. And then I have zero idea of what to do next. There's no roadmap. There's no, oh, great. Now that you want to do that, take this course, which will get you this job, which will lead to this other thing. Start as an assistant and then become the manager and yeah. then become the executive. That's the biggest pain point of creative industries in
0: general. It's like we were just talking about. There's no lack of people who are talented, who have passion, who have drive, who are hard workers, but there's no roadmap. Yeah. Do you think it's harder to be in the position of that where you know what you
1: want, but you don't know how to get there or not knowing what you want at all? I think what we're doing is harder because I think if you don't know what you want to do, but you know that there are all these roadmaps and you start as an assistant somewhere, right. you can learn. That's how I got to this, right? Was I started writing for SideReel TV reviews and then I got hired to be their office manager. And then from there I became a project manager. So like I didn't know what I wanted to do when I got there, but I learned all these things and I you know, found different paths and that taught me social media and got me working in social media and marketing and all those things. So I think that what we're doing is a lot harder. Yeah.
0: I agree with that, but also it's my experience. So right. yeah, I've never not known what I wanted. Mm. Like I've known that I wanted to be a performer of some sort since I was three or four. So I don't have the experience of not having a driving force in my life But I guess it would be kind of like if you knew you really loved someone, but you didn't know if they were ever going to marry you or like how you could get them to like be in a long-term partnership with
1: you. Yeah. But you can't ask.
0: Yeah. And you can't ask. And like, you don't know if you can ask their friend to like, kind of like whisper in their ear. It's a very confusing process.
1: That's a really good analogy because you can't ask their friend. You can be like, hey, can you, you know, can you nudge them? But they may not feel comfortable. And then you have to trust that either they did it or they didn't. Like, you won't know. They'll be like, yeah, I did it. Did you? I I feel that way about a lot of things in this industry where I go, could you tell this person that I'm available? And they're like, "Yeah, of course." Okay, but did you?
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think people lie about that a lot. Uh-huh. And I I'd rather just have them be honest. And I have had friends like that before. I have a friend that works at Apple and I'm like, "Hey, can you help me like find out who to pitch my music to to potentially get it on a playlist at Apple Music?" And it took her a couple times because I think she felt really bad. But she's like, listen, I just started here. I really don't feel comfortable like poking right. around. And I respect and That's understand fair. that. But I'd
1: rather know that than her being like, yeah, I asked and they said no. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's totally fair to not be comfortable. Yeah. That said, if your excuse, I'm going to tell you right now, if your excuse is that you're still new, then in six months to a year, I will hit you up again. And you better have either a better excuse or just be like, I lied. I wasn't comfortable, period. Right. So maybe I will be hitting up that friend again. You've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a nudger. I'm definitely are, a nudger. You are, and I respect
0: that about you. Like, I am not as good at nudging, and I want to be better. How do you do it? Very politely. Yes. Um,
1: I mean, I was raised with the saying of the squeaky wheel gets the oil, I and think. that's true. So. I think that's it. Um, I love
0: it. We should use as many cliches today as we can. <laughs> I love cliches.
1: I was raised by foreigners and don't know them all. So okay. like I screw them up. The The ships one, I'm always telling people like the ships.
0: <laughs> you know, the one with the boats. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. I said um, too big for your bridges until I was like <laughs> uh, probably 18. It's britches, by the way, like pants. Sure. But it made a lot of sense. If you're too big for your bridges, you've got a real issue.
1: You're a jerk. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So the squeaky wheel thing. um, That said, I will say there are some places where I learned that the squeaky wheel gets ignored um, Mm -hmm. and they just replace it with another wheel. So like, I've definitely seen that. Wait, explain that. There are some places where if you bring a problem, I'm also a a believer in bringing a solution with a problem. I am too. Yeah. I think that's really important for anyone listening. If you go to someone
0: with a problem, I actually like to bring three solutions. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Telling them there's a problem is not as helpful as going, there's this problem, but I thought of these ways we could solve it. Right. Puts
0: the onus on them the other way. Yeah. And they're a lot less likely to do something nice for you if you don't give them
1: a leg up. Also, you're the person who keeps bringing them problems. Yeah. But that goes back to this my replacing the wheel thing is if you come to people and go, here's this problem. I have these solutions. Sometimes if you do it too many times, they are like, this person is all up in our business. Let's get rid of them.
0: Interesting. You know, but I will say from, cause I produce shows from the other perspective, a lot of times I miss the first pitch mm. or I see it and I'm like, I'll get back to that. And then when the person circles back the second time, Even if it's a no, I'll at least reply to them because I'm like, thank you. I needed you to follow up. Absolutely. And not everyone's like that. Some people do get pissed. But I think it's all the more reason for you to follow up because if you don't, you never know.
1: Right. I also think that in business, some no's are soft no's. Only in business. I want to be very clear. Yes. Mostly no's are no's.
0: Yes. And I think... A lot of times they'll actually explicitly say it's a soft no, like no for now, or we appreciate you reaching out, but at this time it doesn't work. So especially when you get a no like that, sometimes it's about building the relationship. It's about the long-term game, not the one opportunity you're submitting for. Absolutely.
1: One of my many jobs was talent booking. And if I received an email that said, we're going to pass, then I know that this specific project is not right for that talent. Whereas if they go back and are like, you know, we don't have time right now, or our schedule's full, or it's not on brand, I'll be like, okay, this is something we can come back to later. Right. Because those are all things that change. Whereas we're going to pass, that's a hard no. Right. So getting back to your yes to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was at SideReel. We did these red carpets and junkets. And I realized, I'll tell you the day that I realized I needed to move to LA. I, in the morning went to interview Emma Stone for The Help. And then I went to a movie screening that night for the last Harry Potter movie. And I turned to my boss and I said, um, and earlier in the day, I did like a news segment on camera. And I turned to my boss and I said, today was the perfect day and this is what I want to do with my life. And she said, that's never going to happen here. You should move to LA. And I was like, okay. Do you think she was right? Yes, absolutely. Especially because- with that company, I moved to LA because they got acquired. I started working out of this office in Burbank for the same company until they got sold off. And that's when I got let go. And since then, you asked if the company's still around. And I don't know how to answer that because I think the website still exists. I don't know that anyone who was part of that company is still part of it.
0: Right. So, okay. Boots on the ground in L.A. At first, you have a job,
1: so you're feeling pretty good. Honestly, I was told I would have that job for four months max, and I kept it for another year. And I also did not move here without savings. Because she is a realist with hope. <laughs> um, I guess that's true. My brother and I had a discussion because he, he is a spontaneous person, and I am not
0: Yeah, I think I'm somewhere split down the middle where like my instincts are to be spontaneous. But then I too, I have a first generation dad, so he's not an immigrant, but like has immigrant mentality. And so I have like that fear in me where I want to be spontaneous and I want freedom and I want to leap without thinking. But I'm also like, if you do that, you might die.
1: Right. Yeah. I gave myself one year. I said, I'm going to move to LA. I have saved for enough for a year and then I got to keep the job for a year. So I saved for more. And I said, as long as I make one step forward, I'm staying. Because I really thought I would get here and be rejected flat out and told to go home and that my dream would never happen. And I was like, cool. I tried. But that wasn't what happened. So what happened? I found AfterBuzz. I actually stayed because I found that. I was like, oh, I have this job that pays me and I can host at AfterBuzz. Great. Done. Solid. Bada bing, baby. So when into your one year here was that? Well, it was just after. So at the end of my first year, I had been planning a trip. I'd saved enough because I'd been living here and I saved for that extra year. And I planned a trip to go visit friends of mine who moved to Dublin and I was going to go to England. And then I was like, there's a train from London to Paris, so I'm going to go to Paris. (laughs) So I planned this huge trip and then I got laid off. And I still took the trip. And the day I returned, I literally got off a plane in the morning from Europe. And that night went to AfterBuzz. And it was November of that year. Okay. So I want to ask you this because I hear
0: stories like this a lot where someone like goes on a trip or they take a sabbatical or they get fired and then they get this sign. Like, do you think that taking that time away had anything to do with you finding this new opportunity?
1: No. Mm. No, I do not. What did that trip do for you? Did it do anything for you creatively? It solidified a friendship that I had. The whole idea of going to London, in addition to seeing my friends in Dublin and taking a train to Paris, was London Comic Con. And I had met the person who ran London Comic Con at a con before. And then he always said, if you come to London, let me know and I'll give you tickets to the convention. And so I went and then we became friends and I got to um, host panels at the convention, Mm. which I guess... Is a huge part of my career. I guess you're right. See, right, I take it back. I knew it.
0: Optimus Sue over here.
1: Oh, I take it back. <laughs> Optimus yeah. Sue
0: sounds like uh, something from Transformers.
1: Uh, it does. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. So
0: okay, that's very cool. And so let's get a little closer to what we're doing now, like the, yeah. the
1: moment you're in now. So take me through a little bit. Ooh, what I'm in now is is wild. Um, <laughs> so what do I do? I um. That's literally the hardest question because I do so much. Yeah. Well, we welcome that here. We are fans of multi-passionate creatives. Yeah, I do a lot. So, okay. In normal times, I (laughs) go to Comic-Cons around the world and I cover the convention, do celebrity interviews. I do panels on stages. I do interviews backstage. Um, I spend a lot of time just sitting around being like, oh my God, it's so crowded. (laughs) (laughs) wait are you an introvert or an extrovert that's a hard question I believe I'm an extrovert but I think I might be an introverted extrovert ambervert
0: okay I think it's that's a mixture of the two Mm. or ambivert I don't know I heard Brene Brown say it once and I never bothered to look it up but I figured (laughs) if I just repeat something
1: similar to what she said I'm kind of on track absolutely (laughs) um yeah I'm an extrovert I love to be around people But I also really love being alone in my room.
0: (laughs) I think I'm that too. Although I will say I did notice during the pandemic, I got like really anxious and depressed in a way I never had before. And I've been anxious and depressed, but it was like a different type. Mm -hmm. And when I would be with people, suddenly I was like, this is amazing.
1: Yeah. I think I've always thought I was an extrovert and everyone always goes, obviously you're an extrovert. But... The idea that I get recharged by being with people is not accurate. I get recharged by being alone Mm -hmm. in my room with my TV.
0: Yeah, and I I definitely feel that. It can be true for me. I think certain people drain me to no end. Mm -hmm. Like If I have to think about what I'm going to say to the person, or there's a lot of people that need a lot of energy, that's when it's draining, but when it's like deep, fruitful conversation or a lot of fun or dancing and, you know, just being part of a collective like that, that's when it recharges me. But when you're around an energy vampire, yeah, you're going to be brought down. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you're really into what people would call nerd culture. Yes. Is that correct? Absolutely. What do you love about that?
1: I love the stories, right? So mm-hmm. I'm a big sci-fi fantasy TV Person, more so than anything, I would say. And my dad and I just had this conversation. I was talking to him about a time travel show, and he was like, What do you, why are you so into time travel? And I was like, I, Think it's an interesting concept, and I like a time travel story the same way I like stories about witches. Yeah, like, that's just what I like. And someone once asked me, She was like, Oh, you're into witches? Are you like spiritual? Are you into you know witchcraft? And I went, No, I'm into <laughs> stories about witches. I just enjoy consuming this type of media, and that's you know what I love about going to a con is that. I am such a big fan of this and I get to find other people who are also fans of it. It's one of the great things about AfterBuzz was that we were talking about a show we liked and then people on the internet were like, I want to talk to you about this show that you like. Yeah, that's what I like to do. It's instant community. What is it in particular about these
0: types of stories that makes you feel seen?
1: One of the great things about sci-fi is... It will tell a political story or it will tell a historical story. It will tell something serious in a way that it is distracting you. So like, you know, a show about uh, people on spaceships and and aliens and, you know, treating them differently is a real thin veil (laughs) to talk about race relations. Like it's so, it's a really interesting way to talk about it and educate and open your mind. And yeah, you can get political in a way that's easy to understand and nobody gets hurt. Like you're not arguing one thing or the other about anyone specific. It's just a reflection. Yeah. A parable. Absolutely. What would you say is
0: the through line to powerful storytelling? You're really invested in all these stories and obviously they're all powerful, but they're powerful in different ways. Is there one through line in all these stories that you find resonate with you that makes them powerful stories.
1: Mm. I think the biggest ones would be, you know, the everyday person who can be the hero. Mm. I think that's the the biggest one. Um, but I also always love that there's always like a weirdo, an outcast. Yeah. There's always someone who's different and them learning to love themselves or be accepted or find their family or any of these things. That's, I think that's relatable to everybody. Yeah. A big part of the show
0: is finding self love because I think if you aren't on a journey to that, it's like really hard to pursue a dream. Mm-hmm. What has your journey with self love been, and how do you work on that?
1: Oh girl <laughs> um I for anyone who can see me i am a a big girl. <laughs> I'm on the larger side, and uh that has been a challenge my whole life, yeah, being the fat girl, and i at this point, I'm very, very happy with who I am and what I look like and my size and my body. No complaints. That said, growing up, it has been incredibly challenging. Um, my best friend growing up was an actual model. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was
0: really hard. I mean, that's confronting, you know. And I'm sure she, I mean, she's your best friend. So like she never did anything to be like, This is my body and that's your body. But the way our society views it is one being good and one being bad. Absolutely.
1: It's hard to not digest that. Yeah. No. And she honestly was, I I would say, the most body positive person before it was a thing. Like she taught me so much. And so it was really amazing to have her. But, But yes, society definitely sees our bodies and are like, well, one is the ideal and the other is not. And you have embraced it so much that it's a part of your brand now. Absolutely. It is very much my brand. Yeah. I love that.
0: How did you divorce yourself from the system we live under Sure. to love yourself in your own skin for exactly who you are and how you look?
1: Yeah. Um. Great question. It took a long time. And I did this thing where I would every day look in the mirror and find something I liked that day. And some days I was having a good hair day or... I think every day is a good hair day for you. Thank you. You have great hair. Thank you. I'm I'm getting a lot more compliments on my hair more recently. Oh, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I have great hair. It's very thick and lustrous. Is that a word? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, but so, you know, you would notice different things. You know, this outfit is cute. Um, mostly for me, almost every day, it was like, my boobs look amazing. You know, you got your winged eyeliner right, whatever it is every day you've got that one thing and Mm. you focus on that the whole day. That's the thing. And you just tell yourself that you're cute and that you're sexy and that you love yourself. And what I would say was I'd lie to myself until I believed it. Yeah. And, and then I was like, Oh wait, I am cute. It was, I also back in the day, I don't know if you recall Tumblr. I do. I never really knew (laughs) it, but I heard of it a lot. And I've, cruised it at times so at some point I was following just some like plus size tumblers blogs I don't know what they're called tumblets sure (laughs) um and there was this it just started to change my brain because the images that I saw on the daily were on Mm -hmm. tv in a magazine on a billboard and those were not the people I saw in real life so to see on tumblr actual people diversity of bodies yes yeah to see that it changed my brain and there was one day I remember this this girl was wearing shorts and like a crop top and her whole stomach was out and she wrote look how cute my tummy is oh and I looked at her and I went cute is the exact word like there was something about this that she looked like a little squishy teddy bear and I was like oh my god she's so cute and I was like is my tummy cute And that day it was not. But, you know, I I realized like, oh, yeah, that's great. And now my Instagram feed specifically, I do not follow any celebs that are thin. Mm. I follow people I know in real life, which that's body diversity right there. I have friends who are bodybuilders. I have friends who are models. I have friends who are plus size. I have anything in between. and. Plus size celebrities, or celebrities who look like me—that's what I see. And now, when I look at, for example, I go shopping online and I go to a website for a store and I see the models, I'm like, oh my god! Oh yeah, I thought
0: I thought you're gonna like say something about the model because there's lots of websites now that have like you can click someone who's your size, yeah, and, see, and that's so helpful because I would always just look at whoever was like the plus size model and mm-hmm. think like, oh, I can wear that because. I was so far away from the skinny model that it just didn't even make sense to try to judge something off of her body. Sure. So it's nice that they're now showing like a full swath
1: on some, very few. Also, just like a minor thing. (laughs) Plus, models are smaller than I am. So like one of the big arguments on TikTok right now is about the term midsize, which is a made-up term. Aren't all these sizes made up? Yes. But here's the thing. In the fashion industry, you have straight size, which is what... A person who doesn't know anything about it would call normal sizes, even though that's wrong. Um, Straight sizes is size extra small to extra large. Above a size 16 is plus size in clothing. Mm -hmm. But now we have to look at models, right? So to model straight size clothing, they're a size 0 to 4. To model plus size clothing, you are a size 8, 10, 12.
0: Oh, that's crazy. You are smaller than
1: the size that you are selling. I didn't know that. Absolutely. So oh, wow, this whole new concept of midsize is a whole other thing that is a mistake and an error. And I have ranted about it on TikTok and I'm happy to do it again, but not the point. But so, yes, there is a huge push for body diversity, especially in fashion. But a lot of plus size clothing only goes up to a 3X, which is in this new, there's also new terminology in the plus size community of the spectrum of. Plus sizes, and that is on the smaller end. A three X is only a mid fat, whereas there are people who are larger that need clothing. Yes, and they're not being included. So, what do you think of the term plus size? I think plus size is a fashion term. Uh-huh. It's a it's about clothing. Um, I'm great with the word fat. That is an accurate description. Yeah. It is not a negative. How it did is. you
0: claim that though? Because there's so much. Like, yeah. Like, um, the word fat can destroy people, and you've taken it and made it your superpower.
1: Right. I think that the word fat in our minds means something else, right? When you call someone fat, you mean something else. Yeah. What is it? You mean ugly. You mean lazy. You mean gross. You mean, you mean that you're not achieving what you're
0: supposed to be doing. Like, fat, especially as a woman, what it means to me is. You didn't achieve your gender correctly. Yeah. Like you didn't do it right. You failed at life because the only thing you're worth is how you look. So you're fat. You didn't do it right.
1: Yeah. So that's what you mean. And if that's what you mean, then say those words because that's what you mean. See, this is our theme. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Yeah. So I saw someone's TED Talk, multiple TED Talks, where they said fat is a descriptor. I am fat. I'm also short. I'm also a brunette. If I say I'm a brunette, you're not going to go, no. <laughs> yes, you're not. yes, I am. I'm very much a brunette. Your hair is like a light, uh, like a dark blonde. <laughs> you're not. You're not a brunette. Right. So fat is just like that. It is a fact. That is, yeah. I am And fat. other
0: cultures are better with that than our culture. Like I know in um, Spanish speaking cultures, like, they'll very explicitly call people gordo or flaca. You know, like they're more open with it, but our culture in particular, because we have such an issue, but we won't talk about it, has an issue with saying the word fat.
1: Yeah. And I think that it's, it's important to understand because I call myself fat all the time and the response people say is you're not fat, you're beautiful, which tells me that you think the word fat means ugly. ugly. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, this is like an example of creativity right here because you decided to take this back for yourself.
1: I will say I'm not the only one. in I know, this I know. A- <laughs> you did not invent it. But you've certainly
0: made it a huge part of your brand and Absolutely. a huge part of your creative identity. Absolutely. So I just want to call that out. And I think anytime when somebody takes something that the world would have traditionally looked at as a bad thing and claims it for themselves, there's a huge power in that. Like Macy Gray, I always like to think of her story. She was harassed and made fun of for her voice her whole life. And then she made a living on it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think anytime we can take something that has caused us pain or has made us feel less than and take it back and claim it as a superpower, that's making creativity the filter for your life. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about a little bit of creative heartbreak you've recently gone through. I know like the pandemic has been particularly tough for you. Take me through what was happening in January, 2020 to where you are now.
1: Yeah, January 2020, I was on an upswing. I was no longer accepting unpaid hosting gigs. Which is a thing for anyone
0: that doesn't know. Most of them. Most many things you do when you're starting out, and starting out can take a lot longer than a couple months. It's seven to eight. Seven to to eight to to 10 to sometimes 12, 13, 14 years. So it happens a lot. So that
1: was a huge, huge thing for you. Yeah. And it was incredible. And then the pandemic hit. And all of those jobs either were like postponed indefinitely, or the companies shut, or the budget ran out, and all within the first few months. Wow! And I have this belief of no one's gonna do anything for you, so you have to do it all yourself. Tell me how that manifests. What does that mean? It means that uh, if I need a new website and a new reel and a new resume. I have to do it. No one else is going to do it. That's true. And I'm not going to get a job based on a three-year-old reel. So I need to keep updating it. And usually during the holidays is when I do that. So I don't celebrate Christmas. I don't celebrate any December holiday. So I spend December while everything's closed, redoing my reel, my resume, and my website. And... January, I was ready. I had my new stuff and then everything shut down. So as things shut down, I said, okay, I have no jobs right now. This is a great time to start working on new content. And in a few months, when things open up again, I will have everything ready because the last thing I want is three months to go by and someone to go, well, what did you do with your time? Right. And I... I know that we were going through a collective trauma and that for some people that meant an inability to do anything. And I have no, there's no like judgment on that. Everyone processed it differently. That was how you process it. And it's totally valid. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I I like to spend one day moping when I'm upset, when I don't get a gig. I spend a whole day doing absolutely nothing and crying and yelling and watching TV and, and just being upset. And the next day I am fully focused. Yeah, You're like Khaleesi. Yes, exactly. So I had days where I was like, oh my God, the world is closed. I'm never going to work again. And the next day I was like, okay, I'm going to create a new show on a YouTube channel. I'm going to create a new podcast. I'm going to do a photo shoot. I'm going to do something so that in a couple months when things open up, I will be able to be like, well, this is what I did in my when I had this time.
0: And also it gave you purpose because- That was the thing. Like, I worked more than ever the first couple months of the pandemic, and I think I needed that because I could not emotionally process what Mm. was happening. Like, I needed to just dive in because if I had had all day to just think, I would have gotten into a way worse place. So everybody processed it differently, and I think, you know, there's no shame around however you dealt with it.
1: Yeah. I treated it like it was December. I was like, I can't see my friends because they're busy. Yeah.
0: It was even more December than December was. Right.
1: Absolutely. In December, like I said, I work on all my stuff and I can't see my friends because they're busy celebrating Christmas. I spent a few months working on my stuff and I couldn't see my friends because we didn't want to kill each other. Yeah. So simple as that, folks. Yep. <laughs> so I launched multiple web shows. I launched one that has already been like I've already stopped doing. I launched some podcasts. I I launched a bunch of crap. What did it feel like
0: to just be putting out that much, like to have that much creative output? It
1: felt great. It felt overwhelming as well. Yeah. I um, am the type of person to put too much on my plate. Why? Because if I'm not doing it, then I'm watching TV, which I also make time for.
0: Okay. Got it. So it, for you, it's not like, I need to do this to achieve worthiness. It's you genuinely enjoy doing that many things. Yeah. So that's healthy.
1: Yeah. I I also... Give myself one day a week where I don't allow myself to do anything. So like this is a, I won't go out to lunch with friends. I won't make doctor's appointments. I won't run errands. I have one day a week where I do absolutely nothing but watch TV and eat and I recharge. I want to do that. It's the best. How do you keep that time sacred? Well, you have to move it. Um, uh, cause you know, every week is different. Usually I try to keep it on Saturdays because that seems to be the best. And I just, when people are like, do you want to hang out? I'm like, no, not today. I'm busy. I tell people that that day is busy and it is. I sleep in, I literally will watch reruns and then I'll like just eat and stay in my room. I need it because the rest of the week I have back to back to back things. This week specifically i'm exhausted this last two weeks have been exhausting. Yeah, what the hell is going on i have a lot going on and now i'm back to also hosting live shows irl yeah yeah in person what so does that like, feel like well scary i'm i'm vaccinated but, but it's still scary isn't i keep it? my masks on yeah because i also you know we don't know right and i invested in masks so i will continue to wear them I think that they're just good sense. Mm-hmm. Like, how cool would it be
0: if we just keep wearing them and don't have
1: to get a cold? I've been saying <laughs> this. Okay, so one of my many jobs, I teach Sunday school, Jewish Sunday school. And in my classroom, there's always been a large bottle of hand sanitizer. And if any child coughs or sneezes, I would require them to get up and sanitize their hands. Or if I thought they were touching their face too much, I would make them do it. It is A known rule in my school. At at one point, I literally Lysol'd a girl. I was like, hold your breath and close your eyes. And I sprayed her down. What did she do that warranted that? She came to school with a very (laughs) clear cold. And then I caught it. I was so mad. Oh my gosh. I always You know the
0: fact that like people, and myself included, I used to go to
1: work when I was sick as a dog. That's one of the systemic problems we have in this country. Yeah. Is we don't have paid sick leave. Mm -hmm. Or... Our bosses won't allow it.
0: Yeah. Or, yeah, more so, like, from my experience, because I've worked in corporate America, or they'll allow it. They say they allow it. But then if you take it, you're like, oh, why can't you just do a little something today? Right.
1: It's it's a real problem we yeah. have here. But so, yeah, she was there, and she was sick, and I sprayed her, and then I got told we're not going to do that again. And I was like, okay. So as soon as this started, I told my boss that going forward in my classroom, I will have masks. I'm talking two, three years from now, my students will wear masks in my classroom. Yeah. Masks are great. They're great. I can't believe we didn't do it years ago. Honestly, I used to be so judgy of other countries that wore masks. Oh,
0: I was too. I would actually avoid people who were wearing masks because I thought it meant they were sick. Right. I didn't know they were trying to protect me. Yeah. We were
1: wrong. We were so
0: wrong. We're learning many things that we were wrong about. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So- so back to the the trajectory. So you were doing a ton of shows. I do want to ask one question about that because you said you stopped doing one
1: already. Yeah. How do you know when a project's reached the end of the road? Uh, when it's not worth it anymore. So it, there has to be some sort of benefit. And if you get that same benefit from a different thing, then you don't need to hold on to both. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a show that I really enjoyed it, but it became more and more stressful each time we had to prep for it. And I was like, it's stressing me out. And we always said we would stop doing it if it stressed us out. And so we stopped doing it. And the benefits that I got from it, I was able to get from something else. That's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. If you're not getting paid for something, the benefits have to outweigh the the stress. 100%. -hmm.
0: And I would say, you know, it's a privileged position to be in. But even if you are getting paid for something and the stress outweighs the benefits so much, it's time to start like reevaluating and seeing if there's another place you can get that cash from.
1: Sure. I just think that, You know, if I was still doing that show and they were paying me, I'd probably deal with that stress a little longer. There you go. So you're launching all these projects.
0: And then take me to the creative heartbreak that recently happened.
1: Yeah. So I, during the pandemic. The pandy. That's what I like calling it. (laughs) I love it. Um, During the panini, I, (laughs) um, I saw that regular TV was doing things via Zoom. And the world accepted that. And I went, oh, I have a dream project. I'll leave it at that. I have been working on it for years. And I saw an opportunity. I went, in my mind, it's the size of The View. If we can do it over Zoom and people are accepting that, then I am going to do this. Absolutely. So I was lucky enough to be a guest on a friend's YouTube show And I thought it would be just the way, you know, just a YouTube show, but he had producers and it was very professionally run and they had interstitials and a commercial break. And I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. So I asked him if I could reach out to his producers about a project and I did. And we made a pilot and the pilot is everything I wanted. And I was so excited to launch. Um, And the heartbreak is that it will not be going forward. How did you deal with that
0: when you first heard about it, and how are you moving through it now?
1: well, like i said i I'm a moper, yeah, so for I definitely, one day, yeah, for one day, I moped hard, I didn't do anything, I cancelled everything I had that day and just was upset and was cranky and was mean, um and to yourself or others? To my roommate. He oh. he deals with me a lot. And he goes, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. Not okay. Nothing's okay. Right. It's never going to be okay. The world sucks. Everybody sucks. <laughs> I hate life. You know, you just got to say all these things to make yourself feel better. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I've said the most insane things when I was upset. Like truly wild off the wall. But I think if you're a person that feels emotions in a dramatic way, if you don't say those things, you can't move forward. Yes. I think you're probably like me where you go so hard on that one day and then the next day you're fine. Yes. You're not fine.
1: Yeah, but, but you're fine enough to start crafting new right. ideas. Absolutely. I just I snapped to... for anyone
0: who's audio based. I was like, what was that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to do this thing where if someone did something that annoyed me. I would then be like, you know, if I were petty, I would do this. And I would say like something ridiculous that I would want to do. And I realized that I needed to say it. Yes. I need that release of saying this awful thing I wanted to do. Somebody once missed a meeting and I said to a friend of ours, I said, you know, if I were petty, I would not tell them what was said in that meeting and go, good luck. (laughs) And I got yelled at. Because we're not petty. But I just needed to say it. I would obviously never do that. I needed to release that anger. Yeah. I think that's totally legit. You know, like I have to like say
0: wild, absurd things. And sometimes they're very like shame based and self-deprecating. But I have to say Mm -hmm. them so that I can move forward the next day and pick myself up.
1: Yeah. Otherwise you're bottling it up and you never know when that's going to explode. And you're still thinking them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. So I let it out. So I moped. I was very upset about this heartbreak. And the next day after I moped, I was like, okay, what can I do? I can look at these notes, see what is changeable, Mm -hmm. right? One of the things that was recommended was that I not be the host of it. Well, that's not changeable. But and let's, let's qualify that if it's okay. Is it okay to... Yeah. So it, I'm not famous enough to be the host of this, which is where I got to the next concept, which was, okay, I can't change that in that I'm hosting this. I'm not giving away my, this is my passion project that I've worked on for 10 years. Yes. I'm not giving it away. Sylvester Stallone, that bitch. Yeah. So <laughs> the option then is I started thinking, okay. How do I grow my following? How do I become the famous person that this needs to be? That's, that was the next step, right? Because I can't change, we're not replacing me. Mm-hmm. So let's make me the person we wanted to replace me with. So that's what I started doing was going through the notes and seeing what there was that I could change and fix and move.
0: Did they give you anything that you could use to make it better?
1: Yes, of course, they gave me things that I could do better. You know, one of them was that it it should have been funner. Okay, well, we shot the pilot. What do you want me to do now? Yeah. Like, And my producers didn't say we're going to reshoot it. I feel like generalized notes like that too, just for
0: anyone listening who's ever going to give notes or get notes, aren't super helpful. Right. I would prefer to give or get a note that can actually help someone change a specific thing. Or if they're going to say, I would like to see you have more fun. For example, I love the part where you did blank. Right. I'd like to
1: see more like that. Yeah. I, I also think when I see a note like that, or a note that like I'm not famous enough to host it in my mind, a lot of times, after being in this industry for so long, that note is just a no we're not interested and can't think of a reason Sometimes. yeah or
0: or it's them being lazy because they're putting the work on you right versus we love this project. It's interesting to us, but we don't want to do the work as a brand, mm-hmm. so we're just going to go with someone who's famous who can prop up the idea right, and that happens all the time, but like you and I were talking about. I work in multiple parts of this industry and I see people with huge followings all the time who can't get the views or the listens. Right. So I do still think that there's room for people who have incredible stories to tell because ultimately that rises to the top. Now, is it harder? Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. But I've also seen people who shouldn't have a show,
1: get a show. Right. And it doesn't work out. I think the hardest part for me is in this industry, Right now, at least, everyone who is given a show is famous, mm-hmm. not because they are a famous host or a famous interviewer or anything like that, because they have a different skill set and then they were given a show. Yeah. So when you see an actor or perhaps a singer um, <laughs> who have a daytime talk show and you go, oh, they're not great at this. Of course not. They are a singer. Mm-hmm. This is not their skill set. I am not a singer. I'm aware of this. But we're going to change that tonight, folks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Um, yeah. So I took the notes. I thought, what can I do? And really, the, the question is now, what, are, what do I do next? Where do I go? What's, what's my next step? Which is really my biggest struggle. And I feel like every year I end up at some point being like, okay, but now what? Because our industry doesn't have a roadmap. Yeah.
0: How do you keep going when you're in those but-now-what situations? Like, I know it's not in your nature to give up, but what physically moves you forward?
1: I think the thought that, like I said earlier, that if I don't do it, it won't happen. So I'm not going to be discovered watching my TV as much as I would love that. Wouldn't that be great? That would be the dream. (laughs) um so unfortunately that's not it we should find a way
0: honestly people have gotten famous on tiktok for doing way dumber things than that true
1: um <laughs> i mean i launched a twitch channel yes. i have podcasts Which some I people have... may
0: not know what a twitch is and i think it's so cool and i want to learn more about it will you tell them i was on your twitch once yes we did a drinking
1: game we did <laughs> so um twitch is a platform it's like a youtube it is a platform where people mostly watch people play video games. And if I understand correctly, that is enjoyable the same way you watch sports. Mm. I will say I do not watch either. <laughs> so I can't explain when people go, well, why do people do that? I go, I don't know. Neither of these are my things. So I don't know. <laughs> and what I do on my Twitch channel is attempt to play video games because I am not a gamer. I know lots of incredible women who are and I just am not. And so... I play mostly on a Super Nintendo from 1992 that belonged to my brother's and now is mine. And I'm terrible at it. So can they see what you're doing? Mm-hmm. How? So there's a device you can buy called the capture card. It's like $200 and you connect it to your console, which then you connect to your computer. I do not have that. I have a webcam pointed at a TV screen. So there's a glare. That's my girl. And it's and and when the screen turns black, you can see my reflection in it. It's hilarious.
0: I love that you've made your shtick that you're not good at video games and like care about the ones that you played probably when you were really young, Mm -hmm. and that you don't care to get the. It's two hundred dollars. Yeah, like that makes me so happy.
1: (laughs) I'm glad. Creativity, honey buns. We've got it in spades here. (laughs) It's honestly. I decided that I thought it would be fun to play this game on the internet because mm-hmm. this is the other thing. My roommate and I disagree about this a lot. He likes to remind me. Roommate coming in hot. That you don't have to monetize everything. You don't have to turn every hobby into something you're trying to make money off of. Yeah. The thing is, <laughs> I feel like there are things that I do that are not turn money and that is watching TV. And playing video games is not something I personally just enjoy doing for fun. Like I'm not a gamer. Otherwise, I'd be much better at this and I would have been doing this for years. If I'm going to waste hours of my day playing video games, it's going to be on the internet for other people's amusement. Yeah. In a way that may at some point lead to a job, may lead to cash, um, cash may lead to something else. So while you do not have to monetize all of your hobbies, I personally think there are things I'm willing to do for fun that are worth wasting my time on. And then there are things that if I'm wasting that time, I'm going to do it for money.
0: I love that because I often have felt guilty about the fact that I try to monetize almost all my hobbies or like take anything that's a hobby and turn it into a career Mm -hmm. or a passion. But it's true. Like- if you love it, why not try to make money off of it? Or if you don't right. love it, definitely make money off of it. Like I went ice skating for the first time in years for my birthday this year and I was like I should become an ice skater. <laughs> like yes. Why 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 is that my first thought? Like why can't I just fucking enjoy it? But I'm like I'm really good at this. I should be an ice skater.
1: Um, I sew the neckline of t-shirts. Yeah. So I now know how to use a sewing machine. And I went, ooh, what if I start selling T-shirts that I've modified the neckline for? no yeah I know it's like
0: you know we could just like slow our roll and enjoy I could just enjoy the one time every five years I get on an ice skating Mm -hmm. rink and you can make clothes for yourself but also I kind of think you should make those clothes no
1: so here's the thing I don't sew it well enough that I think people would give me money for it and maybe in a bit when I get better because I have gotten a lot better but I it's the line is never straight how has it been like because that sounds like it's a hobby for you that's um just a requirement i buy men's t-shirts cut the neckline and sew them because i have giant breasts and a men's t-shirt fits them but is not comfortable above the breasts wow Mm -hmm. so did you learn to sew for that purpose yes and learn to sew is a loose (laughs) i can sew the neckline i cannot sew i have a friend who's a fashion designer and she sews Oh, yeah. I feel you on that one. So I, I got a BA in communication, but I also got a
0: BFA in acting. Oh. And we had to take a costuming class. This is mm. a very sad moment for me. I made a pair of pants. I was so proud of them. They were like fleecy unicorn pants. They had unicorns on them and they were bright pink. I and I thought them. they were amazing. You would have loved them. Did you sew them where it's the elastic at the ankles and elastic at the top? No, because I wasn't, I didn't have that swag at that time. Okay. I wish, because that's my favorite kind of sweatpant. But <laughs> my teacher looked at me. She handed them back and she goes, we created on effort.
1: Wow. Savage. She's amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she was. She was uh, definitely held nothing back. (laughs) But I feel you on that. And I think that's interesting. But I I like your take on it better than many people's take on it. It was just like, just enjoy your life. It's like, yeah, I am enjoying my life. But I also think it'd be really cool to make money for this thing I'm doing.
1: Right. I'm very much enjoying my life and I have a goal of where I want to be. And so I need to get there Mm -hmm. so that I can continue to enjoy my life more. Yeah. I would love to only have one hosting gig. That would be great. If I got paid enough to live with one hosting gig, then the rest of my free time could go to traveling, could go to TV, (laughs) could go to other passion projects. I have a list of businesses I intend to run. Once I get to a certain point. Right. That I don't have the money or know how how to do at this point. But if I could get there, you know, I have foundations I would like to run. I have organizations and and businesses and companies and I, you know, want to do all these things. And right now I need to get to the first level so I can move to the next level. So what's the next step forward for you right now? Great question. You're trying to find it. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. How do you deal with the uncertainty? sometimes I cry um I have a journal um, it's so good do you do it in the morning no I do it in the evening and I don't do it every day I do it every once in a while it turns out to be about once or twice a month mm-hmm. and in it I'm like I don't I don't read back on what I wrote before because I, I always like I'm opening it with a purpose so I'll be like okay so here's you know here's where I'm working now these are all the shows that I'm doing this is a thing that happened this week here's what's going on with my doctor so I have like a idea of where I am at this point and then I can write about like how I'm feeling
0: right that's really good and so you're just basically using this time to kind of evaluate evolve Mm -hmm. and as much as you can zoom out and see from above of what could be the next plot point
1: yeah I'm I'm trying different things now I'm I feel like There are things that I, for many years, was like, I don't need this. I don't want this. I don't want to do this. And now I'm at a place where I'm like, all right, let's try those things because I haven't yet. What are you finding from trying the things that you thought were off your list? Um, Some of them, they were right to be off the list. Um, And some of them are giving me little nuggets. I think that that's really one of the big things that you got to learn is everything's going to teach you something. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to find the thing that you learn. And maybe it is, oh, I learned that this is a thing I don't like. Right. Or you learn this is a thing I didn't know how to do and now I know how to do it. You know, I I at some point taught myself how to edit footage because I didn't know how to edit and I needed a new reel and I didn't have money for someone to pay for it. So I taught myself to edit and I was like, great, now I know how to do that. I also learned that I hate editing. Yeah. Which is really helpful because I have a friend who also grew up thinking she wanted to be an actor, realized she loves editing and producing. So, you know, it, you got to try all the things and see how you feel.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, it's such a great asset to be able to do all these different sides because then when you do have the money to hire someone, mm-hmm. you know what you're asking them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know if they're going to be overwhelmed by something you're asking them. You know if they say they're overwhelmed and they really shouldn't be overwhelmed. So I think it's a really – and it just gives you more respect for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I have so much respect for you. Thanks. I want to end by asking this. If you could speak to younger Mm Yell, the Yell that was here when she first put her feet on the ground in L.A. I thought we were talking little girl yell. I I do that one sometimes, but I'm really curious. What would you say to to the younger version of yourself who had just moved here, and why?
1: Um, I would say you're gonna do great. You're gonna be fine. Don't put your trust in everyone who says to you, "I'm gonna make your dream come true," because not all of them are. Um, and don't don't give up. Don't even think about giving up. Cause there's no point. You're gonna keep going and you're gonna you'll eventually get there. I haven't gotten there, but I know that I will, so I'll let her know. You're eventually gonna get there. It's not gonna be in nine years, but you'll eventually get there. And what do you think she'd say to you and why? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> no. Um I think she'd be like Seriously, in nine years, we're still not gonna be there? And I'm like, yep. Our younger selves didn't know though.
0: Right. So you were more realistic, of course, me, the optimist, was like, I'll probably come to LA and then within four months I'll be like having a sitcom on the WB lot. Like I oh. was very delusional. I see. So and you also didn't know how hard it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like even being oh. realistic,
1: you you could not have possibly known. This is I know what I would tell her. Okay. I would tell her there are maybe three. Full-time jobs doing what you want to do. Everyone else is freelance. It is gigs. It is um, uncertainty. And that's what you need to know at the beginning and start there. Because that was my biggest challenge Mm. in the early days was realizing that there are no full-time consistent gigs. It is all freelance. That's how actors work. I had no idea. Yeah. That would have been very helpful to know earlier. That's good practical advice. And that you have to be okay with that. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I would have left had I known that. I don't think so. But you probably would have thought about it. (laughs) I would have thought about it. I also think I would have taken more
0: gigs early on. Yeah. Because you would have known that that's just the way of life. Yeah. Well, I believe in you. I know you're going to make it. You're well on your way. Thanks. Thanks. And uh, I can't wait to brainstorm with you. And we also might write a song together. Yep. If that happens, you're gonna have to come back and we'll perform it. Yeah, we can cool. do that. Okay. Well I love you. Thank love you for you. being on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it was fun. Thank you for listening and thanks to my guest, Yell Teagle. For more info on Yell, follow her at Yell Teagle and at the Fat Girl Show on Instagram. And check out her blog at thefatgirlshow.com. By the way, Yael Teagle is spelled Y A E L T Y G I E L. Thank you so much to Unleash Associate Producer Emily Shulmanovich. You can follow her at We Can't Find Emily. Thank you to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Please rate and review it. It makes a huge difference. And I promise you, I read every single one, and they mean so much. You can also share the show with a friend and post about it on your social media. Tag me at Lauren LeGrasso and at Unleash Scherner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also, tag Yell at Yell Teagle so she can share too. My wish for you this week is that you take Yell's advice and start paying attention to the people you follow on social media. I hope that you, like Yell, start curating a feed that encourages you to love yourself inside and out for exactly who you are. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.